Good morning, E3. Um, my name is Sam, and I'm excited to be talking with you again today. Today, we're going to continue looking at the values of E3 and how they work in our congregation, our church, and how they work in life. So why are we doing this series on the values of E3? Well, as Lori and Mike have laid out each week, these are the values that are at the core of what E3 is. In other words, when we say, what is E3 like? These are the values in response to that question. When we, uh, people speak about E3 in the local community and surrounding areas, we want them to be able to see and to hear in the actions um, of our members, our church, these values. That's why they're so important. And some of these have already been uh, covered in the series. And if you have not listened to those, I would encourage you to go back to please listen to those. And here's why. Because wise counsel has determined that every decision presently being made by leadership at E3 and all future decisions will be based on these values. That's why they're important for you to know. Uh, Wise Council opens their meetings going over these values and praying about them and committing to act with them in mind. So let me say that again. Every decision presently being made by the leadership of E3 and all future decisions will be based on these values. That's why they're so important. And for that reason, I'll be saying some things differently uh, than I normally do. And I don't even have a song for you guys today. I know that's a disappointment, but that's okay. I've got a story or two that I think will fill in the gaps for you. Before we go any further, let me read our scripture for today out of Romans chapter 9, verses 9 through, thir excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So today we're going to be talking about the value of trust. Now, in our values, the value of trust is twofold. There's two parts to it. It's a little more complicated than some of the others. First, we must trust God to lead, provide, and protect E3 and us. It's for God, we must trust God to lead, provide, and protect. And secondly, we must trust each other to bring about the best in our community. We must trust each other. So trust God, trust each other. So let's briefly talk about the first one. When we talk about the value of trust, we have to admit that we don't live in a world that values what God values. We are taught not to trust. People who trust are considered naive. It's just a matter of time before people let us down and then we grow up, right? And as a middle-aged man with some gray hair, you may be able to see, I can tell you that there's some truth to that. No one's going to always have your best interests at heart, even when they try their best. People will let you down. But God doesn't ask us to trust others to lead and to guide and protect E3. He asks us to trust him with E3. Now, there's a difference there, right? Who does the church belong to? It belongs to God. Who are we to reflect in our behaviors and in our actions? God. Who sets the priorities for E3? God does. Are people involved in helping those truths come to pass? Well, of course, God's chosen to work in tandem with us. That's his preferred way. 
but are people ultimately in charge of bringing about those things in the heart and mind of E3 that God wants in that community? No, God does that. It's God's job to do that. Leadership facilitates those things and points us to God so he can do that. And any humble leader in the church knows that their job is to point others to the goodness of God, not to themselves. When a leader starts using a church for their personal gain and the promotion of their own agenda, that's when the church suffers. That's when we feel pain as a congregation because that approach that God chooses is disconnected and it's broken. And when a church has suffered, that community must choose to trust God in the face of that pain. You see, it's like that passage in Romans that I read you guys just a a minute or two ago. Here's the message paraphrase of it. I want to read it to you in that. And notice the highlighted parts that I've pulled out. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life for what is good. Be good friends who love deeply. And I love this phrase, practice playing second fiddle. Be all on the same team, right? Don't burn out, even when it's hard, right? Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled. Keep yourselves aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant, believing good things, right? Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. Now, notice some of these phrases that you can, you can kind of hear the trust and the patience and the goodness in them. Hold on. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Be cheerfully expectant. Don't quit, right? All those things. These are phrases that describe the actions of people who trust God, who trust God with their life, and who trust God with their church. These are phrases of people who see the bigger picture, people who will take a back seat, knowing that they may not understand everything that's going on and allow someone else to lead. People who look for the good in things instead of constantly pointing out the bad. People who have perspective that things could always be worse. It describes someone who may not have the answer, but trusts that the answer will come. These are characteristics of people who trust God with their church and with their life. You see, I want to let you guys in on a little secret that most people never figure out about church and really about life for that matter, because church is imperfect and life is imperfect. It's never going to be exactly what you think it should be. And this is the important thing. We cannot trust until we disagree. If everybody agrees, no one has to trust anyone else to lead when they don't agree. Also, we cannot trust until we don't understand. If we know everything, all the details, and we understand everything about a situation, and everybody knows that, then we can't trust someone else who may know a little bit more to be on the front lines of that situation for us. And also, we can't trust until we're not in charge. Everybody can't be in charge. You have to trust someone to lead. And unless you're willing to trust someone to lead, then, uh, then you're going to have uh, problems dealing with that leadership at any point. One of the greatest illusions in humanity is our stubborn persistence to believe that we are in control of everything. We really, really want to believe that. And it's just not true. It's a pretense. It's not real. 
We don't have the ability to properly know and judge and understand everything we see in the world, much less things we see in a, a group of people like, like church. We aren't aware of everything. We don't have that ability. We will never have that ability. There's only one person that has that ability, and that's God, and we're not him. Now, does that mean that we're supposed to innocently be led to the slaughter by people who would harm us? No, of course not. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, asks us in the old King James Version, it says to live circumspectly, like circumference, like a circle, is where that old, old, English, old English term comes from. Basically, to keep your head on a swivel, knowing the evil that people are capable of. Now, that's the old King James translation, but the image is so perfect for what this is like. But this is the message translation. The message translation of that verse says, watch your step. Use your head, right? Use your common sense. Make the most of every chance that you get. When something goes wrong, see it as an opportunity to do something better. Make the most of every chance you should get. We should live that way. Everybody should. Our church mentality should be geared that way, right? God asks us that when our own limitations fail, as they often do, that we are to trust him with a positive servant's heart, to be okay with the unknown, to not seize up in fear, but to keep moving forward in times that are a little confusing. And if others can't see that positivity radiating, radiating through our words and our actions as individuals and as a group, then we're not fully trusting God with our lives or to lead or protect and provide for E3. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit for the second part. Let's talk about how church works. Let's talk about trusting each other to bring about the best in our community. The second part of that trust value. It's time for a story. I'm excited to share this story with you. It's a story about goats, a story about goats. There are some goats for you. All right, one day, I was driving down the highway in a rural area in Georgia, standard highway, two lanes on both sides, grass median in the middle. I come over the top of a hill and at the bottom of the hill, there are about 75 goats that have broken through a fence and are running for freedom. But as everybody knows, goats are not the smartest animals in the animal kingdom. I don't know if you've heard. This is true. So the goats get distracted from their personal Shawshank redemption scene. They stop, they see the grass, they decide they're hungry, and then they start abandoning the great escape in order to have a little afternoon snack because goats are not that smart. So there they are all over the highway as I come over the hill in the median, absolutely no concern for oncoming traffic. You can see where this is going, right? So I was the first person on this crime scene, the Shawshank Redemption jailbreak scene. So I pull over and I start waving at just the few cars that are coming down the the road, um, and next over the hill was this dually truck, and inside was a guy that looks like he would drive a dually truck, if you know what a dually truck is. He puts his hazard lights on for the traffic, and we start shooing all these goats out of the highway, out of the median, trying to get them back to the farmland that they came from, okay? So the next person to arrive is a teenage girl. She joins in, gets out of her car, just jumps in the scene. Next, there's an older couple. Both of them get out of their car, slowly walk up to the scene and start trying to help, right? By this time, there's a line of cars forming on the highway, right? For people who are waiting patiently, for those of us who have gotten out of our cars to shoo the rebellious goats back up onto the farmer's property, 
everyone's laughing at the goats and the whole entire ridiculous situation. And uh, eventually the goats are saved. Everybody got back in their vehicles and left. And it was a good scene. Somewhere along the way, I left the dually guy in charge to go to the farmer's house to get him so they could repair the fence. And they did. They came down and helped do that while the, the dually truck guy continued to be in charge. So we got everybody off the road and uh, everybody laughed and then we left. The end. End of the story. There you go. So I just described a church of trust to you. Did any of the people that stopped to help know each other? No. But we were all impacted by the same situation that needed immediate attention. We were cleaning up someone else's mess and someone that didn't even know that they had created a mess in this case. And we had to trust each other, though we really didn't know each other. The bond of trust was that situation that occurred that allowed us to rally around that together. There was no blaming there was no criticizing. It's just people helping each other, helping out. I was in charge simply because I was the first one there, not because I was any more qualified than the next person. And then I gave up that leadership spotlight to the dually truck guy so that I could work behind the scenes to go get the person who could really solve the problem, which was the livestock farmer. So there are people working in the scenes, they're working behind the scenes, right? So think about all of these points of trust that occurred in this story. Everyone that risked getting out of their cars on a highway had to trust all the other people that came upon the scene to apply their brakes. I'm glad to say that they did because I'm, I'm here today. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. We had to trust that we would all do the best we could do to help. Random strangers had to accept the leadership of someone that else that they, had, that they had never met. They didn't know me. Why should they trust me? And then we had to act like a bunch of ranch hands off Yellowstone, and none of us had a clue how to do that. The teenager was waving her hands, trying to shoo the goats away, like, boo, you know, shoo, run, goats, run. And the old couple was walking up, hey, little goat, you go back to your home. You know, everybody was doing the best they could, even though they didn't have any training or, or understanding how to, how to do that. And if you know anything about rural Georgia, you know that I risked getting pumped full of 20 gauge buckshot when I went up on that farmer's porch unannounced, right? Now do we do that circumspectfully with a head on a swivel, knowing the risks? Well, of course we did. We understood the danger of getting out in the middle of a highway in the middle of, uh, in the middle of Georgia, but that didn't stop us from serving and doing what needed to be done to make things better. It's just like that passage in Romans that I read earlier. We saw the bigger picture. We took turns leading and the cars backing up on the highway. They knew they may not understand everything that was going on. So they were willing to play second fiddle, right? They were just waiting patiently. In the meantime, everyone worked together and looked for the good things in the situation instead of constantly pointing out the bad. And when we started, we didn't have a solution. We didn't know how we were going to get all the goats off the highway and out of the medium, particularly since they were really enjoying the grass they were eating. But we just kept at it until we figured it out as we went, right? No one was squabbling about why they were more qualified than someone else to lead. And you know, let me stop here and shoot straight with you. In this scenario and in life, in church, all of this, if you identify problems all day, but you can't be bothered with the solution, then you might just be the problem. If you can't see that type of behavior as being the problem, then I can guarantee you, you are definitely <laughs> the problem in that case. The great goat escape, as I call it, has stuck with me for years and years because it represents 
what churches can do if people choose to love each other, even through the pain of disappointment and work together for something better. They're rallied around a common goal, around a common situation. Ultimately, that's the person of Jesus and his message. And then they move into situations to create something better that reflects those things. Some people see failure as an end to itself. Some people see that as the end game. Other people see failure as a springboard. They see it as a launch pad to something better, to something greater, to lessons learned and life moving on. Our approach to that depends on our level of trust in God and in our trust in each other. Jesus talks about this in John 14. He gives the disciples some, some bad news. He basically says, look, things aren't going to end the way you think they are. I'm not going to be given a crown and we're all going to uh, live in a kingdom together. I'm basically going to get killed and things are not going to end the way you think that they're going to end here. Understandably, they get bad news. It's not what they thought was going to happen, right? So they start freaking out and then they ask him questions about that. And then they're like, well, what happens to us? You know, what's going to happen to me in the middle of this situation, right? And so Jesus says, and I think it's New King James Version or one of the older translations, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. That's the way we make Jesus sound so official, right? Do not let your heart be troubled. That's the fancy translation. The message translation says, don't let this throw you. This situation, don't let it throw you. Don't let it throw you for a loop. It'll be all right. Trust me. Trust in God. Same things happen in church. There's a lot of good, good, good stuff that happens in church. Sometimes not good stuff happens in church. Stuff happens, right? People take advantage. Some people get scared when that happens. Some people try to overcorrect problems that don't exist. Some people try to wrestle away, control, and subvert if they feel there's a power vacuum. But Jesus says, hey, 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 hey. Everybody stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. Hey, guys, don't let this throw you. Hey, everybody, don't let this throw you. Hang in there. Stick it out while I form something better. Stick it out while I form something better. Hang in there. Trust God and trust each other till we come to the other side of the things that we're doing. Okay. Finally, this morning, I want to speak to you briefly about E3 and its current situation. There's a lot of changes that are happening, right? And so some of you know that Wise Council hired me as a consultant to help develop some systems behind the scenes, uh, review some of the internal governance issues, some things like that. And I've talked to lots of people, lots of leaders, I've talked to lots of uh, different ones of, of you. I've talked to a lot of people about a lot of things to gauge your feelings, to find out what you feel about particular situations and where you think E3 is going. And you know what I found out? We've had some problems. We've had some issues, right? We've had some accountability issues. We've had some financial mismanagement, right? Mismanagement. We've had, we've had some character issues. We've had some of those things. And I want to speak to you in that role for just a moment. And after looking at all of those things, talking with all of you, talking with the leadership, what I want you to know, coming from a little bit of an outsider's perspective in that role, is that E3 has not and is not going through anything that is not common among churches of their age and their size. 
A church that's been in existence for 15 years is going to have some of the exact same issues that we have had in the past and we may be experiencing now. That happens. Pastors come and go. Systems that were put in place that seemed good enough uh, long ago don't hold up under the growth that we experience. And so they're broken and we have to fix them, right? Churches change, they grow. People ebb and flow in their attendance and whether they stay and whether they go. That's normal. That's normal. It's totally, totally normal. And after months of listening and sharing, um, here are the things that I want you to know that I've learned in the middle of this, okay? Here's the things. There's a tremendous amount of good that's being done to shape the direction of E3 for the future. There's a tremendous amount of good. You guys are gonna be so happy with the decisions and the changes that are being made for the long-term for E3. You're gonna be able to love it and you're gonna be able to own it. So after a few months of listening and sharing, that's the first thing I want you to know is that things are gonna be all right. Things are gonna be okay. Don't let it throw you. Just stick in there with us, be patient. In the meantime, the other thing I want you to know is that you can trust the leadership of E3. I've talked with them hours and hours and hours and hours of time. You can trust the leadership of E3. You can trust wise counsel to be making the best decision for this church overall that they can make. And you can trust that they are wrestling with those decisions um, to the point of misery, <laughs> to make the right decisions that they feel will set this church up for great success. I also want you to know that you can trust Lori and the staff. You can trust Lori Green and you can trust the staff at E3. No one is operating for their own agenda and for their own gain at the expense of this church right now. Nobody is doing that. Promise. I've talked to all of them over and over and over again. In fact, the difficulty of leading this church in the last year has almost caused all the leadership and wise counsel to consider walking away at some point. That's how difficult it's been for them. But they don't because they trust God to lead and provide and protect E3 and they trust you. And they accept the responsibility that you've given them to allow them to lead. And that's difficult given the past. I know that for everyone, but I want you to hear this, the shadow of others and the shadow of situations that didn't go well, shadow of disappointments, the shadow of others who may have gone before at E3 are simply that. They're just shadows. That's all they are now. And the more light that fills up the room, the less the shadows have an impact. The leadership of this church is working as fast as it can to make good and productive system changes that will set E3 up for years and years to come for a church you can be a proud, that you can be proud to be associated with that reflects the values of E3. They all revolve around the values of E3 that we've been discussing. Think about it this way. The leadership of this church are still clearing the goats off the highway. You can jump in and help they want you to, or at least be patient and be willing to play second fiddle while other people do that work in the meantime. In that consultant's role, I would ask this of you in light of everything E3 has been through. 
Follow Jesus's words. Don't let this throw you. Trust God. Trust God with E3. Trust God with the leadership of this church and trust each other to build something better than was before. Trust the experienced leadership that you've had. Please consider this. You may not be aware of everything that's happened and may be going on. Please love and support your leadership. Support wise counsel for the daunting task that they have undertaken. I want to relay a final message um, to help us think about church in a different way. This video um, on the screen is simply some leaves being blown around in the same direction by the wind. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about the wind as the spirit of God giving E3 its direction. And those that feel the gentle wind of God's spirit moving them in that direction, they represent the church. They move at their own pace. Some start later than others, but everyone is moving in the same direction with the same vision. And notice that some of the leaves aren't moving. That's okay. God's vision for one community is not always something that others are going to agree with. But this is the church, the wind of God, moving people in that same direction. God is blowing a fresh wind towards the community of E3. Will you join him in what he is doing? I can tell you that the journey E3 is on will result in some amazing, amazing things that will happen for God. Good, good things that you can look back years from now and say, I was so glad that I was there when that happened. I want to be able to say, as someone who goes to this church, I am so thankful. I did not let the obstacles of the past keep me from trusting in the moment so that I would be able to enjoy the future God has at E3. And I plan to do that as someone who attends this church. And I invite you to walk that same journey with me and celebrate the wind of God's new direction for this church. Amen.